0: In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field where he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field, in their language, akildama, that is, field of blood. For, Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time Uh, the lord jesus was living among us beginning from john's baptism to the time when jesus was taking up from us from what for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection so they nominated two men joseph called barabbas also known as justice and matthias then they prayed lord you know everyone's heart Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left us to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to see you. Um, shall, Shall we pray? God, we thank you for your great love for us. And Father, we thank you for your word and how through it you give us guidance and wisdom and direction. And God, would you help us to trust in you and to trust the plans that you have for our lives. Even though there are times when we struggle to see or understand what you are doing. But we thank you, God, for the ways that you are doing beautiful things in our lives. So would you help us now and encourage us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, so last week uh, John talked about how the book of Acts is a continuation of the work of Jesus and how his work is something that continues through his disciples. And when we read the book of Acts, one theme that we find is that Jesus' work continues despite many problems, challenges, and opposition. We find in Acts that there are times when God actually uses opposition to advance his gospel. And in chapter one, we see how this actually happened through Judas, someone who was actually chosen by Jesus himself to be one of the 12 disciples, but who then ultimately betrays him. It says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, that the word of God does not return empty. The word of God does not return empty, but it accomplishes what God desires and achieves the purpose. for which it it has been sent. And what this means is that though there'll be challenges and opposition to the gospel, and even though sin, evil, and death are realities that we face, God is able to use all these things to advance his kingdom. I believe it was Tertullian who said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So at the start of this passage, there is something really significant in its reference to Judas because it tells us that Judas wasn't used to spoil God's plan, but he was used to fulfill it. We then have the disciples finding a replacement for Judas, and I think there's something we can learn from this, from the way that they did this, because though they wanted to obey God by finding a new disciple, though they wanted God's will to be done, it was something that they had to work out. It was something they had to discern. Likewise for us, as disciples of Jesus, we find ourselves praying for God's will to be done. But though that may be our earnest desire, there are still going to be times when we, when we ask, well, God, what is your will? <laughs> you know, God, where, where, where do you want me to go from here? So to help us go through this passage, I want to uh, do so with the two following headings. The first is God's plan accomplished through adversity. And second, God's will discerned. So let's start with God's plan accomplished through adversity. We're starting from verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke about, uh, in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. So here we have Peter who who stands up, and he says to the believers that a scripture about Judas that was prophesied by King David had to be fulfilled. It's likely that one of the scripture he's referring to is Psalm 41 verse 9, where David writes about his own betrayal, saying, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. And because David was someone who foreshadowed Jesus, this scripture was fulfilled by Jesus, who himself was betrayed by Judas. Now remember, by this time when Peter says, when, when, when Peter says this, Jesus has already opened his, di- his disciples' minds to understand scripture. We find this at the end of Luke's gospel, just before Jesus' ascension. Luke chapter 24. Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. So this fulfillment is something that Peter only comes to understand after Jesus' resurrection. It's only later that the disciples realized that Judas' betrayal, which eventually led to Jesus' death, was in fact a part of God's plan of salvation. It was part of God's plan to save the world. So what we see in Judas is yet another example in Scripture where God takes something that's horrible, something that's evil, and he uses it for our good. When I was reflecting over this passage, I I was brought back to what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was betrayed. Whilst here in Acts chapter one, we, we have Peter who basically says, Jesus was betrayed, but that was meant to happen. We remember that in Gethsemane, it was a very different story. Peter, in trying to defend Jesus, cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. He reacts impulsively, and out of fear. But what else might the disciples have been thinking at that time? Here was a man that they left everything to follow, which they did for three years. They probably thought he'd become king and drive out the Romans. But then Judas betrays him. He gets arrested and all the disciples flee in fear of their lives. Jesus is then crucified, he's gone. And the disciples are left feeling alone and hopeless. And overcome with fear and discouragement and despair, they hid themselves away, they thought it was over. But it was in that very moment when it seemed as though Judas was ruining God's plan, that God was in fact using him to accomplish it. Because that was God's plan all along, that Jesus would die to take away the sin of the world and then rise again. It's often only in hindsight that we understand what God is doing in our lives. And sometimes it can be hard during the times when we don't understand. But when life gets tough, when things take a turn for the worse, when we feel as though everything is falling apart, so what do we do then? Well, one thing I think we can remember is this. Even though everything seems to be going wrong, God has a plan. He knows what he's doing. It was by Judas's sin of betrayal and Jesus' death on a cross that God chose to save us. And even now, God has a plan for us, and he's working for our good. Romans 8, 28 to 29 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Brothers and sisters, God is working for our good. God is working for our good. But it says he works all things together. He works all things together. And so we need to remember that there is no resurrection without a crucifixion. And there is no crucifixion without a Gethsemane. Uh, Now, some of you might know that I'm still living with my parents. I know I'm 27, uh, but don't worry, I'm getting married soon, and I'm moving to Wales. (laughs) But with everything uh, that's happening, one thing that I was really looking forward to was to spend some time with my parents over Christmas uh, before the wedding. I was just about to finish my job, so it was a season full of endings and quite a lot to process. And by that point, I was feeling quite tired and quite drained because things had been uh, quite full on for quite some uh, had been full on for quite some time, and my plan was simply to spend a few restful and restorative weeks with my parents before leaving for Wales. That was all I was hoping for. <laughs> but a few days before Christmas, my parents were told that my 97-year-old granddad, who lives in Hong Kong, uh, was very ill and in hospital. Um, thankfully, a lot of people a lot of people have been praying, and he's back home and he's starting to get better. Uh, But at that time, we received some really bad news from the doctor. It was a matter of urgency, and so my parents left for Hong Kong just a few days uh, before Christmas. And that meant that the plan that I had was ruined. My parents had left. There was uncertainty about my granddad's health, and I was left at home by myself, which I actually find really difficult because I struggle with being lonely. And the child inside me was saying, God, you've just ruined Christmas. My parents have left and abandoned me. I feel like you've abandoned me. It wasn't wasn't supposed to happen like this. God, what are you doing? And after spending several anxious days wallowing in self-pity, I felt God saying, son, do you believe that I'm using this for your good? And I said, yes, 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 I do. And I'm not going to pretend that it was easy from then on, but it was helpful to simply remember that God has a plan because it means that even though the the situation was difficult, it wasn't meaningless wasn't meaningless. It's important that during the times when we feel lost, that we fall back on what we know. During the times when we don't know what to do, that we fall back on what we do know. God is still good. Even though I don't feel that right now, you know, I I, I know that it's true and I choose to believe it. God is good. God is kind. He's still on the throne. He's in control. And he makes all things work for my good. And when that happens, there's a shift. There's a shift. Because we're no longer just focused on our own problems, but we've remembered who God is. And when we remember who God is, we don't need to ask why. Why has this happened? Why has that happened? The the whys no longer matter because we've already trusted that God is working for our good. And so going back to our passage, we find that Judas didn't ruin God's plan, but he was used to fulfill it. God used his betrayal because it was on the cross, as Jesus was dying, as the disciples thought all was lost, that Jesus said, it has been accomplished. That has been God's plan all along. And how different it was when the disciples realized that how how different it is when we realize that God has a plan. Scott Saws says that sometimes the deepest, truest faith feels more like defeat than it does victory. Sometimes the deepest, truest faith feels more like defeat than it does victory. And that's what we see in Jesus. He defeated sin by becoming sin for us. He defeated death by dying. He overcame the grave by going into the grave. And he won by losing. If God has already done these things to save us, will he not also use our trials and our tribulations for, his, for, his good, for our good and for his glory? It was through Judas that the scripture was fulfilled through Judas, that God chose to accomplish his plan. And it's often through the moments in our lives when we feel defeated that God is working to accomplish something beautiful in us. Just as Jesus opened the minds of his disciples to understand scripture, may our minds also be opened to see beyond situation to see beyond our problems and to understand that our trials challenges and sufferings all play a beautiful part of God's glorious plan so if you are in a difficult situation right now as hard as it might be choose to look beyond it look to God remember who he is trust that he can accomplish his plan for your life, even through hardship, even through through difficulties, even through adversity. So let's move on to God's will discerned. In in verses 20 uh, to 26, we have the disciples finding a replacement for Judas. And I want to draw our attention to the process by which the disciples did this because Not only is it descriptive, simply telling us about what they did, but most of it is also prescriptive because it shows us what we should do when discerning God's will for ourselves. We first see that the disciples are guided by scripture. In verse 20, Peter quotes from the Psalms. First, Psalm 69, verse 25, which explains what happens to Judas. And then Psalm 109, verse eight, may another take his place of leadership, which gave them some general guidance on the need to find a replacement for Judas. And then in verse 24, it says, they prayed asking the Lord who was being chosen to replace Judas as an apostle. What's interesting is that back in Luke chapter six, on the night before Jesus chose his disciples, he spent the whole night praying to God and so, if Jesus, as the Son of God, was so dependent upon his Father in prayer, how much more do we need to pray as we ask God for his help, as we make decisions in our own lives? So the disciples relied on God's guidance through Scripture, they prayed, and, and there's so much uh, that can be said about both of these things. But I want to spend some time focusing on yet another thing that the disciples did, which was this they used some common sense. In verse 21 to 22, we can see that they used their own reasoning to decide that because Judas' replacement was going to take over his apostolic ministry, he should also have the same qualifications. So they had to have been with them for the whole time during Jesus' earthly ministry, and they must also have been a witness to Jesus' resurrection. They must have seen the resurrected Christ. And so it was by using their reasoning that they narrowed down the potential replacement to two men. As a part of discerning God's will for our lives, God's plan, alongside prayer and looking to God's word and following biblical principles, we are also to use our God-given ability to reason. Because God hasn't given us a cookbook on how to live our lives, with recipes for everything that we do. There are some areas in life where there are no recipes, no codes, no rules. And even though God doesn't tell us exactly what we need to do, we need to trust him. You know, when I was a a teenager, I'd always pray, God, just tell me what it is that you want me to do in life and give me the courage to do it. Just tell me what you want me to do and give me the courage to do it. I wanted certainty. I wanted to know the whole plan. I wanted everything to be handed to me on a plate. But I I soon came to realize as I grew older that, that that probably wasn't the right question to be asking. It's not about asking God to give you direct instructions for every single situation. But it's about wanting to honor him. It's asking God, how can I glorify you through this situation? It says in Psalm 37, verse 4 Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what this means is that if you delight in God, he will give you his desires. It means that your heart and your desires will be changed and become increasingly aligned with his desire for your life. And so it is by pursuing godliness that we are then able to make more godly decisions. This isn't about leaning on our own understanding, but trusting in God and trusting that he will help us to make wise decisions. Because not only is Jesus the Lord of all truth, He's also the Lord of all wisdom. In his book, The Will of God as a Way of Life, Jerry Sitzer writes this, The will of God concerns the present more than the future. It deals with our motives as well as our actions. It focuses on the little decisions we make every day, even more than the big decisions we make about the future. So you see, our focus shouldn't be fretting about the future, or having to know everything before we make a move. But it's about allowing God to shape us into the person that he's planned for us to be. And that's done through the little decisions we make each day. So the disciples turn to scripture, they used some common sense. They prayed. And then they, you know, it says that they cast lots to which you might be going, Oh, you know, should they be doing that? But that was a common procedure in the Old Testament to make decisions. And they were asking Jesus to make his choice known to them through that. They relied on God as much as they could. And we need to remember that they hadn't yet been filled with the Holy Spirit, which happens in Acts chapter two that leads to my final point on discerning God's will, which is that the Spirit often guides us as we move. The Spirit often guides us as we move. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So there'll be times when the Holy Spirit confirms whether something is right or not, only after we've taken a step forward, only after we've pushed that door. And this means that it's okay to test things out. It's okay to give things a go because often the Spirit confirms in hindsight. And if it's not right, you can try something else. It's so much better to move forward in faith and trusting in Jesus than to remain stagnant and not do anything out of fear. We are to exercise the free will that God has given us, and we are to honor him as we use it. So, in discerning God's will, remember to turn to God's word, the Bible, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Remember to pray, seek God's will in all you do, and ask him to direct your path. And finally, when you know that you are trusting God with all your heart, don't be afraid to use your own reasoning and common sense. Amen.